Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. You're surviving life with Les Stroud. Long before Survivor Man landed on TV screens igniting what became a worldwide fascination with survival skills, there were thousands of individuals around the planet who had already fallen in love with bushcraft and survival and primitive earth skills. We were small groups of keeners getting together on weekends to take a course in edible plants or head out to the wilderness to build shelters and start fires by rubbing sticks together. When it was just us in the mid-1980s and through the 90s, our heroes emanated from native cultures. And they became romanticized by the film Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford. And we were then grounded and solidified by the writings of Morris Kochansky, Larry Dean Olson, and Dave Westcott. Hiding in plain sight in the middle of it all was a desert hippie from Utah named David Halliday. Larry Dean Olson, David's teacher and friend, was the consultant for the Mountain Man skills for the Sidney Pollock film Jeremiah Johnson. And David would end up being the consultant for the Tom Hanks film Castaway. That fireplow and Castaway? Yeah, that's all David Halliday. But of course, his greatest claim to fame, he was my consultant on a few episodes of Survivor Man. If you'd like to hear a great story of how he met and what he thought of me doing Survivor Man, check out the YouTube clip, My Journey to the Primitive, Part 4, with Les Stroud. He crashed my interview with reflections on consulting for Survivor Man. After working with me, his television experience went to a low period of, regrettably, as he tells it, being an ultimately duped consultant trying to teach skills for the production of Man vs. Wild. In fact, as David tells it, Bear Grylls had never in his life made fire by friction until David taught him one day on the set of Man vs. Wild. You'll hear David alluding to that period during this conversation. But I digress. This talk isn't about those days, because David is one of those people who can't get into a discussion without it turning philosophical. He meanders through spiritual and societal concepts like a bird on wing, one that refuses to land, one that prefers to soar. To set the stage, David and I were both appearing, if you will, at the Bushcraft Symposium in Alberta, Canada. On a beautiful warm day before the pandemic hit, we went for a walk through the woods and sat happily in a field we found, surrounded by birds and bees and butterflies. And this time, David had with him his homemade Rocky Mountain dulcimer, and so he would show me the song we were going to play that night, which meant a little impromptu, albeit out-of-tune jam session, sitting in the middle of a vibrant northern Alberta field. These are the words of Desert Dave Halliday. I don't think it's the amount of time you spend living a minimal experience. It's how rich and deep your experience is while you're here. Jeremiah Johnson made his way into the mountains. Betting on forgetting 
all the troubles that he knew. I, I'm somebody who believes that every tree and plant and rock on this planet has an intelligence that has reached its highest potential in being itself. And that we also have that same capacity and we either block it or we receive it. Mountain man's a lonely man leaves a lot behind Not to have been different Often times you'll find when I've talked to screenplay writers, you know, that are big wig dudes and saying, why are we not watching those anymore? They said, because people want to see somebody doing worse than them now. What okay. do you think an ancient Paiute elder would say if he was here today, if he just like, here, come and look at what's happening at this bushcraft. What do you think he'd say? I know it's, I'm taxing Oh, yeah, see, I mean, it's really hard to judge that, but I think they would be astounded maybe with how much food we have and maybe how much we waste or how weird everything tastes or smells. I think the way we smell might, might be the hardest thing to take. I don't know. Uh, how do we smell? Well, we don't know because we've been smelling ourselves our whole life. He might just show up and go, whoa, what is that smell? You know, it might not even be bad. It just might be, there's a lot of new things mm. in our culture that we don't, aren't aware of besides how things look, besides how things taste. Uh, he might be concerned that everything is sweet. Mm. Like even the things we don't think are sweet probably would taste really sweet. I felt it myself coming off the trail after not eating modern food for like 30, 40 days is most of all, it's the blingy colors. Although flowers have even brighter, more beautiful colors, like something like a stoplight, just gets you to staring at it for like, whoa, it's changing color. Hmm. Oh no, it's green, you know. So, and where did and how come how come that sound is coming out of there? And how there's a lot of sounds that we've put into the background of our life that wouldn't be background because they'd all be brand new and they like what's in wild. When something makes a noise, you want to know the source of it. So I would think that there would be like this, really a curiosity about every person. An older uh, Paiute might have seen 80 people in his lifetime. And all of a sudden you're trying to say hi and connect with everybody that goes by and there's millions of them. I've never thought about that fact. Aboriginal, yeah. those the former and primitive societies. You're right, they might only have seen 80 people their they, entire they, they life. They meet once a year with people they haven't seen and they're really happy to see them, but they want to know everything that's going on. So the super, we are designed to take in information. Everything about us is to receive. And part of the, our insanity in the modern world is we're so overloaded that people are beginning to try to shut stuff out all the time. And it goes against who we naturally designed to be. Mm -hmm. So smaller communities and smaller family groups are easy to handle. But walking through a city where there's a billboard, you know, and all that other stuff, trying to get you to pay attention, pretty soon you shut down and you don't want to look at anybody and you don't want to get any input. You want to control the input. And that is a modern phenomenon. You're walking through the jungle, you don't want to control the input. You want to know. Receive every bit of everything. And you yeah. see another human being, He's either a friend or foe, but you know where he's at and what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And if he's a friend, yay. But if he's not, you really gotta, every sound and every motion he makes would be something you wanna know all about. Mm -hmm. You don't do this shutting stuff out, shuffle over to get some smokes at the Circle K. 
-hmm. while listening to your music and pretending like nobody else in the world is there is a brand new daytime phenomenon. I think everybody could do that at night around the fire in mm -hmm. the old days. Mm -hmm. We have cycles, but to shut information out seems counter to our natural pattern. Yeah. So that Paiute, I think that old man, he'd want to take it all in and then he'd have to like, but what do you do, like, what do, you do with this information? Because in his world, you knew what to do with the information. You could call it the great mystery when it was beyond you. I think wise elders would know that there's a lot of stuff we don't have to know, but I think it would be fascinating. And I think the hardest part for a lot of people that come into big societies is they start seeing the people that don't fit in and they feel bad for them. And in their culture, you'd for sure go spend some time with that guy. One of your nieces that was born, you know, without a, a leg, you'd go let her know she's okay and she'd be a member of the family and everybody would be there for her. But then you'd see these beggars, you know, that might, they might... You know, they might not know the situation, but they see a beggar starving and there's a McDonald's across the street. Well, how come nobody's giving them something to eat? I think there would be a concern <laughs> for those who don't fit in after, like once you start seeing what's really going on, I think it'd be a hard picture to look at. Are we too complex? Are we too sophisticated for our own good? Well, I don't know what we could do about that. So if we are, I mean, that's just where we're at. It's a good pragmatic answer right That's what is, it's what is. That's probably been a problem in all uh, overcrowded Situation, too many rats, I call it the too many rats in a cage syndrome, is somebody's gotta go crazy eventually or somebody's mm -hmm. gotta push somebody around just to sit down. Yeah. So the modern world at some points has said they can keep people alive longer and I've made the joke, we can keep more rats in a cage alive with a lower quality of life than ever before in the history of the world. We can give them a minimal experience but we can get more of them, we can fit more of them in there and we can feed them their rations. And so I'm not sure living a long, long time in a low quality life is as cool as living for 30 years uh, hunting monkeys in the jungle mm. with your blowgun. So I don't think it's the amount of time you spend living a minimal experience. It's how rich and deep your experience is while you're here. Why, why, do you, why, why are you a primitive skills nut? Why, ah. why? why? What's the why behind it? Boy. I can't remember when I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I remember in first grade, my first grade teacher, Mona Dayton, took me to, took all of us to the Tucson, Arizona, University of Arizona Museum. And upstairs, it was a two-level museum, there was a display of a mammoth that they had found in Southern Arizona that still had paleo points stuck in it. Those points were fascinating to me, and I just looked through the glass at those points. I said, who made those, and how did they do that? I wanted, when I get big, that's what I want to do. <coughs> I actually remember myself <clears throat> thinking that thought. Mm -hmm. When I get big, my sister-in-law told me that, that art was beautiful. This is like, this would have been 1960. Mm -hmm. Art was beautiful, and art's good, and you're a good artist, David. And so when I was looking through the glass, I'd already established I was going to be an artist when I got big. But I saw those paleo points and they were backlit, so they're made out of agates that had light coming through them. And nature made that rock, but a person made it that shape. And I said, that's the kind of artist I want to be. And that's before I ever even heard about primitive skills or outdoor skills or anything. I wanted to make those, and I didn't know how. I don't know why I love nature. I don't know why I'm fascinated by it. Do you, do you, do you know why you love those, those mammoth? Uh, they were museum things. Well, they're beautiful. And I, okay, maybe a little bit. I had this sense early on because of what was happening on the planet, news-wise and otherwise, 
that we were wrecking this place, that we were hurting this place. And I didn't need much of a sense because I was watching all the desert around our farm. We raised almonds, peaches, sheep, alfalfa. We had chickens. We had a little, little it wasn't like a commercial farm because we worked construction for a living, which paid off for my dad. But the whole valley was being filled up with trailer parks. And so all of my favorite <clears throat> spots were being wrecked. Almost like that old pie. It started to smell funny around where we lived and it used to be beautiful. There was lots of animals and then they disappeared. Everything just went away that I loved. And I would think- And I knew that by the time I was a first grader that our neighborhood's changing and not for the better. And then by virtue of that, you probably, without even realizing it, made that distinction that it's not just gonna be here. That's your whole world, that's so the, the whole, whole world must And then be we changing. heard about atomic bombs and Second World War. I thought, damn it, if that's where it's going, I wanna go where I don't have to be in the middle of that. All of our family activities that were the funnest is when we went out, and the summertimes are hot in Tucson, and we'd go up in the mountains for the summer, and I just wanna live there the rest of my life. I didn't know about winter. I didn't know it was gonna snow later, but the summers in the mountains of Arizona are amazing. So. I wanted to just live on vacation my whole life. And I wasn't in school and I wasn't doing well in school. I hated school. I was sad, but I wasn't sad as soon as I got out of school every day. So I got this instinct told me that the mountains where there's water and the summertime is the way to live. Mm-hmm. And so I might've had what instinct. you would- instinct. instinct told me that I'm happier and life is better here than it is in a classroom, in a hard desk with information that doesn't seem to like enter my skull at all. Doesn't feel relevant. I, I would stare at the clock and just pray that I wouldn't pee my pants and that I could get home before mm. the day was over. Do these skills, these primitive earth skills, this technology, the bushcraft, you know, the survival episodes that we do, does it matter today? And if so, why? Why does it matter now? Well, I used to buck about that until one TV guy that was trying to get me to participate said, look, there's some little kid in some neighborhood in the Bronx that's never been out of town his whole life and this silly thing you think you're doing might be a doorway to him really feeling like there's something worth doing someday. And you might be inspiring somebody in ways you'll never be able to reach if it's just you Mm. walking around in your happy little world out in West. Somebody that's starving for a connectedness to the earth and doesn't even know they are, might, you might be the catalyst for helping somebody escape the uh, too many rats in a cage. Mm. He didn't say it like that, but that's, he's talk, I'm translating for him to fit my heart. He's telling me what he thinks and I'm translating into, oh, I could be helping some little kid well, you for know this what? cause. I'll be a clown for this cause. Help, and if my point sometimes with that is you could be helping some little kid and you don't know it. And more importantly, you may never know it. It doesn't matter. It to doesn't. me, it's about what you gave. Yeah. When you put something out into the world, there's an energy of its own now, it's its own energy. And now it's doing stuff over there. And you may get an email or a letter or a phone call or bump into somebody and say, hey, listen, I need to tell you something. And I've had this, you know, I have to tell you what you meant to me. Or you may never ever meet them and that shouldn't stop you from putting it out there. Right, but the whole point is, is that you were better at fighting the battle of trying to keep it really relevant to what you believed should be taught to that little kid. This man was arguing to me why we're gonna do this stupid thing that I don't think is actually very helpful. And he's saying, well, you don't understand. This is the level he's at. We gotta meet him where he's at. And I'm like, well, then let's give him our best. So I was always fighting to give my best, but because I wasn't as good a battler at that as you are, sometimes I would say, oh, you mean 
we have to dumb this down? And he'd say, yeah. And I'd say, well, then I really don't want to participate. Why doesn't media figure out how to raise people up rather than dumb down to fit where they think they're at? Because I, first of all, think that's a recipe for disaster. Why aren't we, I'm saying, why aren't we doing something really great here? And he says, well, we can't. Time constraints and money won't allow us to film that, but could you do this? And I'm like, well, I do do that sometimes, but why don't we give them the best? We got the time, we're here. He said, imagine you are talking to some guys whose wives don't give them any TV time, but the only TV time they get is in their man cave in the basement, and they got hunting clothes in the catalog, and they like to kill stuff, but they've never got to really go out and do much of that because they don't have time but they want to be. So they bought all the right stuff. They're sitting in their basement and you're telling them, hey, you can eat this. And I said, that's who I'm, That's the people you want me to entertain? I don't know if I want to teach them anything. And I say, okay, I'm going to say, get your butts off the couch and go outside and start learning something and quit watching it on TV. And of course, they wouldn't film that. Mm. But I got in a lot of arguments trying to get, and, and they didn't like it, and they thought, that trying to keep me happy, I'm supposed to be a star, so they let me say all that stuff, but they would trash that in the garbage can and come right back and say, now, now can we get to work? Uh -huh. And I'd say, well, why don't we do something real then? And so it was always this everyday grind. So I, I'm gonna and pull, so, I'm gonna pull a little bit of undeserved credit here, but uh, it seemed this was after you worked with me, right? So yeah, so you were, I, you I, were so, fun, man. I was gonna you say, so in many ways, I spoiled you a bit. I think. Well, so did so did Castaway. I, so Castaway, and, because right. they just said, do whichever you want. Right. We'll make a show out of it. Yeah. Like right. And so, we just loved what it was. There was a love for what a you were lot teaching. of appreciation for the subject matter. Yeah. So this man that's trying to teach me that certain times you have to think of who your audience is and give them what they can receive. And I said, nah, if nah. you guys think you're the gods of education in the world, then you're doing a piss poor job of educating right now. now he, like, it sounds to me like yeah. he was trying to give you a snow job. Bingo. You know, and there is a saying in television industry, how's this going to reach the fat guy in Wisconsin? Right. That's a line. Right. I can talk to Nat right. Geo tomorrow or right. Discovery or History, right. and some executive is going to go, well, we, we want to reach the fat guy in Wisconsin. It's like become the symbol but of But I don't want to keep him Pablo. on his couch. I want to get him off the couch. Yeah. So giving him a show he'll watch for several hours might not help him at all. Yeah. He needs to get off the couch. All of us do. Even you and I, who are quite active and healthy for our age, probably are more sedentary than we should be in mm -hmm. our culture because we're making we'll a living that requires us then. to do so. We'll bring it back to these skills then. Yeah. How do these skills help kids today and adults and everybody in, you know, everybody in between? They slow people way, way down. Get them to sit still and listen and hear even though they're not conscious that they are. You and I have been taking in billions of bits of wonderful information that is healthy ever since we've been sitting in this thing. And even though our minds and mouths are on ideas, our bodies are surrounded by things that are making us healthier for being here. Mm -hmm. And as that sinks in, you get a clearer mind, you breathe better air, you eat better food, you get more exercise, and you become a happier human being.
Jeremiah Johnson made his way into the mountains, betting on forgetting all the troubles that he knew. Wide and narrow, the eagle and the sparrow showed the path he was to follow as it flew. A mountain man's a lonely man, leaves a lot behind. Got to have been different, often times you'll find. Story doesn't always go the way you had in mind, and Jeremiah's story was that kind. Yes, Jeremiah's story was that kind. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're surviving life with Les Stroud. I'm somebody who believes that every tree and plant and rock on this planet has an intelligence that has reached its highest potential in being itself. And that we also have that same capacity and we either block it or we receive it. Mm. And I think being in a healthy environment around healthy people 
increases your chances of being healthy. Mm -hmm. And so if it becomes your life, you know, nowadays they talk about lifestyle. What if it just wasn't lifestyle? What if it was just your life? Yeah. No style at all. Yeah. Like that. I know, we both paused to listen right. to that. I know. I don't want to talk, man. Let them, okay, he's seeing what I'm seeing. Or she. <laughs> it's one thing to be, you know, I was 16 years old and I'm, I'm, I'm in, in nature at my property and we're drinking beer and we're smashing beer bottles off into the forest. The very next day on the Sunday, I'd be by myself and now I'm, I'm sitting there with the ants, watching ants on a rock. Same place, same 16-year-old boy, same era of my life. And we know what Lisa picked up on. She said, you realize what you just said, you were in nature with your boys drinking beer, but on the Sunday, you were with, with. nature. Right. It, and right. I didn't even realize I had inadvertently Said, done right, that. Right. When we are twisting fibers and making rope or doing firebows, we're going from our la-di-da, let's let the uh, you know, free time in nature and the, the birds we just listened to, we're, we're invoking process which, which causes us to actually really interact with nature as opposed to just meditate yeah. in it, just. I love free time in nature, but there's a time when the meditation is over, now I, I want my fingernails dirty. If you think about it, if we're a full healthy human being coming from a full healthy source, and then we disconnect from it, we're healthy as long as we have reserve, and then when we're out, we're out. You gotta go back where you came from. Our space programs can only get so far because they can't get oxygen and water and food. If they could solve that problem, and the only way they're thinking about solving it is to recreate, you know, Biosphere 2. Biosphere 1 is the Earth. When you dissect something, you've learned all about its parts, but it's dead when you're done. <laughs> right? It's dead. I think we are being dissected, disconnected, and well-documented, mm -hmm. but it's killing us. Mm -hmm. Going back to our source isn't just sitting there and watching it or seeing it on TV, it's being with it or being it. And even if like some people say we got placed here or we're space aliens who are infiltrating this healthy ape population because we got too weak from our last bad job we did to the last planet we were at. All them stories, after a while, if you're born someplace and you eat food from that place, your body's made out of that place. Mm -hmm. Right? And your heart's been taught by that place. And the people and like the, I'm gonna say the animals and plants in it and the rocks. Assuming that you could somehow disconnect from all that and thrive is a huge error in thinking. Hmm. And it's showing up <coughs> all over in what we call disease, dis-ease. Mm -hmm. I don't want to diss all of us that are trapped in that or born into that. We didn't do this. We're born into this mess. It's not our fault. We don't have to say because our ancestors did this or that, that that I have to bear their burden. We just have to quit doing what they did. So our, 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 the primitive technology is a way, a way out of that? It's, to me, it's been a way to remind myself that every cool tool I've ever used came from somebody's hard work and somebody's creativity. And so no matter what pattern I choose, I'm either borrowing ideas and tools from everybody before me and sucking that system dry and leaving somebody with less tools, fewer resources, or I could live in a way that gives them more tools and more resources. 
I can go into parts of the world and make sure that it's a healthier environment by the way I live in it, and it responds. So if one person can do that, why can't everybody do that? Especially me. I believe in like, Ratatou like the Ratatouille cartoon. Everybody can cook, man. It's all our stuff. We got specialists, but way down inside, we all have what it takes to cooperate, to unify, and to make things healthy, and not just to cooperate and unify to become good soldiers and kill people. We could cooperate and unify on every level of human activity if we would allow that to be so and, allow, and, and, and knew what to do. Why don't we? I don't think we know how anymore. If we ever had a healthy society in our racial background, wherever we come from, no matter what continent we're from, somebody ripped that out of us someplace, put us in jail, put us on boats, shipped us off, put us to work, and we've constantly been uh, trying to recover over and over again from having really good things taken away. And sometimes it's a natural disaster that'll do that. But none of us come from a background that hasn't been screwed up somehow, somehow socially, emotionally, or otherwise. And everybody's been a slave, everybody's been all those things in their genetic makeup. So this is just the next challenge. I don't think it's an impossible doomsday thing. It's like, this is the next thing we're gonna figure out. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, those who don't make it through it won't figure it out, but the people who do will figure it out. The best government systems were designed by people who knew the worst government systems and were oppressed by those. So I think we're gonna figure out how to be good to the planet or die. This is So you don't think uh, then, as a friend of mine once said, that we are uh, in the car with our foot on the gas pedal to the floor heading towards a wall. Imagine yourselves, you and your buddies, you're drinking beer and you're driving along and there's a sign that says detour uh, 400 meters. And you're the guy that's on the passenger seat and you say, ah, screw this effing sign. Let's drink more beer and step on the gas. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves flying off the edge of this dry wash into the bottom in midair because the bridge is out because there was a flash flood last night. And we're, we don't die. We're just down in the bottom of the wash with our legs broken, our lungs punctured, and we're just, we're screaming. Now, let's go back and be another thing. Let's be a couple. We're an old couple. And the man's driving and the woman's in the passenger seat says, honey, slow down. There's a detour sign ahead. Yes, dear. The speed limit's 45 and you're going 50, dear. Yes, dear. And then you slow down, you take the detour and you go all the way around and you never even saw those boys in that car with the broken bodies and the screaming and the, and the puking on themselves. And you went home and you had a whole different life. It was the same day. Well, this Hopi man told me once that those who don't obey the signs will have a rougher time than those who do. We're coasting, maybe in our culture, towards that same destruction because we're not moving forward on lots of levels. We're not paying attention to not the signs. Not paying attention to the signs at all. But not everybody's gonna choose the same uh, route and not, not everybody's gonna stick around. We've been migrating as a species over and over again, and we've been gaining population and losing population over and over again, just like the coyotes in the rabbit cycle, you know, all that. We might be taking some hard hits, but they won't be the first. And I don't believe they'll be the last. I think there'll be very different ways of mitigating, like Al Cornell says, for the unplanned event. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Using military terminology, 
there's going to be some unplanned events and we're going to have to mitigate for them. <laughs> so what, all right, so what's your pragmatic and practical advice to mitigate the unplanned event? Learn as many skills as possible because they bring you joy and, and a settled heart and help you be more aware of the people and plants and animals and rocks and energies around you. Become a full, a spherical human being, not a uh, two-dimensional or three-dimensional flatline, flat earth person. Get spherical. The universe is spherical. That means taking information from all sides at all times. Best you know how. Learn to feel that that's possible might be a big step for some folks, but just feel it. Believe it, and pretty soon it you can. You can feel your you can feel the inside of your stomach lining, your little toe, and the jet that's going over. And you can even imagine the person on the jet reading the magazine all at the same time and having shrimp. And you can smell the shrimp. So some people say that's imagination. I have let myself get far out enough that I think I can tickle the stars with my head, dip my toes into the magma, or the stand on the hardcore if it's hard like they say it is put my hand in the Pacific and my other hand in the Atlantic and tell the differences of temperature. Not my physical self, but I can just stretch out and feel this place and include everything, not try to exclude everything. So I can go to a big city. I can go to Costco, Walmart, wherever, where everybody's looking depressed and doesn't want to be their airport and start feeling really good instead of rejecting everything I see that hurts or, or whatever else, just take it all in and just sit there and enjoy it. And so even if it's your last day and you get to go out with the bomb like your neighbor, it could be a really, really happy day if you're enjoying the process the best you know how. So I think primitive skills for me is my healthy place. It's my way to reach others and teach them that they can be healthy too. And so I just followed my heart and my dreams and it, I wanted to be a caveman. I didn't get to be a caveman all the way. No, no girl I loved ever wanted to be a cavewoman with me too much, but they, we all compromised and we got what we were after. And I think that following your dreams and, and living them the best you can gives you the courage and strength after a while of testing. Because you don't start off with courage, you're chicken, you're, you're trying. But then when you start being successful, once in a while, it opens up something you'd have never seen. It's like listening to, to, to your wife when she says, slow down but you got that same message inside of you. You got that little nudge that's saying, you know, slow down, take a right right here. Mm -hmm. Learn to trust yourself. I was raised to believe that we should love God with all our heart, might, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that doesn't mean do to your neighbor what you'd have them do to you. That means, it means do to your neighbor what your neighbor needs, and that isn't what you need. Learn their needs, mm -hmm. their real needs. That means getting to know them. So we do the same thing with plants. I love to pick this plant, and so I just go get all I want and leave. But how about if you waited until the time was right so that when you did that, it, the plant thrived because of your interaction? Instead of getting what you want all the time, learn as much as you can, I guess, mm -hmm. about how to be part of things in a way that's beneficial to everyone around you and not just people. When the old timers used to say, all my relations, they weren't talking about their kin. They were talking about every energetic intelligence on the planet. That means the rocks, everything, the stars, everything in the universe, if their minds were big enough. So in the modern psychology world, they say that people start out kind of a me, 
And then they slowly grow into this really big perspective because they learn how to do that. And anytime you get traumatized, you quit. Anytime you become a drug addict with that, wherever the last place you're at, you stay in that. Or you can actually go backwards to thinking about just me, whatever I need. I'm going to kill that sucker because he looked at me. There's this attitude of hating everybody because they have what you don't have or whatever that's becoming more and more prevalent. And you want to watch TV shows that shows everybody doing really piss poor so you can say, at least I'm not like that. And in our country back in the 30s, in your country, we used to have heroes and shiras that rode off into the sunset and made it out of the slums and made it out of poverty, made it out of their horrible situation. And they got the girl or he, she got the guy and they went off and had a great life. And they said, well, that's not reality. I don't want to watch that anymore. But I've talked to screenplay writers, you know, that are big wig dudes and saying, why are we not watching those anymore? They said, because people want to see somebody doing worse than them now. Oh, my. So they can feel better about themselves. That just sounds like a big ouch to Isn't, society. Yes, it is. Know? And so, and, and I say, well, why, why feed them what they're asking for? Couldn't media take some position, not to play God, but to at least start helping nudge people some other direction? If they have that much power, why not use it to help? Well, because it doesn't make money. So back to that other thing, I'm not having that life. I turn the TV off, go for a walk, go outside, be part of things. Or I try to participate only, like when I'm shopping, I try to buy things that are healthy for me. So when I'm participating in media, I participate with people that I love, you, Les Stroud, and other people that I know are doing something with a heart for a good reason. We're gonna do this again, okay? Please. Yeah, because I don't need to talk to you about how to do a hand drill. I like to talk to you about why you do the hand drill. And, and let's, let's do this again. We're gonna make a good life out of what we got, and we're gonna use the tools we have. You know, I'm not discouraged, but I hate pretending like it's not, uh, uh, that we don't have a problem. <laughs> Stop right there. Let's, let's, uh, let's rehearse our music. All right, all right. <laughs> So, all right, so give me, uh, give me your song. Uh, if you're okay, will, will it bother you if I try to sort of noodle along with you? I would love it. Once was a town, not a whole lot like now. Well, a good little place, I guess that's why we came. Some came out for the scenery, some came to be free. But now we come, well, this place ain't the same. Some said, I guess I go out west and find me a cleaner town and settle in where life's a bit more free. Put swimming pools in each backyard from water underground and make real estate far as you can see. Well, I used to go out after rains and breathe the desert air and see so clear and far each mountain range. But now oft times the sky's so bad there's just a gray haze there. No, that's not progress, that's just change. And they're sad when we come visit And they're glad when we go home And that's something that we thought we'd never say 
But just imagine if old Howard Hughes had been a farming man And fly boys and snowbirds flew away Yeah, when progress came to visit She was pulling a mobile home But now she's built her mansions here to stay If people would only stop and think what life's really about, what a green, clean world we might live in today. Yeah, you might stop and ask yourself, well, so what's all this fuss? And what are these people worried for? But the problem with all of them is, all of them is us. And with us and them, well, that just makes more. Remember that your children only get what's left behind. Look at Mother Earth, can you hear how she's crying? Some say it's got to be this way, but I know they're lying. And soon we'll have none of what we came to find. Soon we might have nothing except for troubled minds. Now we're making here what we just left behind. Come on, let's treat our desert a whole lot more kind, or soon we'll have none of what we came to find. We're making nothing out of something. We're making nothing out of something. We're making nothing out of something. We're making nothing out of something 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 something that we all came here to find Oh, Yeah, it's okay, but you got it, you got it. David and I sat up all night by a fire we started with a hand drill in the middle of the Arizona desert during the week of training I did with him. Under a starry sky, our conversations meandered all over the place, from primitive skills and bushcraft to soul stealers and his background as a Mormon. The next day, he taught me how to find and catch a scorpion and how to eat it fresh and alive if you didn't have a fire. Of the many firsts I accomplished with the Survivor Man TV series, This was one of the most fun. Then a couple of years later, I watched Bear Grylls do exactly the same thing just after Dave had been the consultant on Man vs. Wild. I gave him a call and Dave said, yeah, I wasn't looking forward to this call. I bugged Dave about it to this day and he hangs his head with a smile in shame and apologizes every time. If I'd known they were going to twist everything around and fake it all, I never would have taken the job. David... I forgive you, but I'm never going to let you forget it. Keith Ullman's primitive earth skill is that of engineering this podcast 
And we are a proud member of the Apostrophe Podcast Network, whom I'm pretty sure couldn't get a fire going with a gallon of gas on a summer's day in Arizona. Come back for more, everyone. We'll figure this life out. Together. Uh, One more thing, or maybe even two. Don't forget, my new series, Wild Harvest, is airing on a public TV station near you, and that includes the station signal reaching up into Canada. And make sure you hop over to my YouTube channel, SurvivorMan-LessStroud, as I'm uploading tons of new content every week for you, including Survivor Man Archive, Survivor Man Bigfoot, and new music. Okay, now, breathe in and breathe out. (laughs) Breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in. Okay, I'm going to let headed and breathe out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.